a listener production. In this episode, we are talking with Nick Brax all about mental and emotional health. We talk about anxiety and depression and how it looks different for everybody, about obsessive and fixations and behaviours. We also talk about what he saw to be missing in his life as a pivotal point and how he was able to use this to see what he needed next and overcome or at least manage and overcome his anxiety and depression. Um, We talk about different ways that we can be aware and how to deal with anxiety and depression and so much more. You're going to love this next episode, so let's get into it. Cecilia, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? No. (laughs) You know when you're like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh. You know, it's one of those like, how are you really? How are you really? Um, It's the practitioner in me. I'm all right. We we have a good default answer. Don't mm. we? Although I feel like boundaries have been pushed with that as of late. It's like, how are you? It's like an opportunity to just download. Well, I think also people are doing it more with their eyes. Well, how are you? True. Just look and go. Oh. <laughs> Can't tell if someone's, what someone's thinking. That's all you need to worry about. But, you know, but you're right. Yes. Yes. I think, look, there's lots of information flying around at the moment about how to feel better, how to be better, how to, you know what I mean? Yeah. What's interesting is, and we can roll our eyes at this and we can be a bit like, Ugh, but it's almost like you you can hear it a thousand times and it doesn't resonate until it does, mm. until you hear the way that resonates with you, mm. which is what I love because we've had lots of people on the podcast um, that have said the same thing in various ways or yeah. their way, yes, which I think is important. And that gives two different facets. It's either you resonate with a person and their story mm-hmm or you resonate with a method or something that they're teaching, even though it's a version of another method. Yeah. Um, And when you can bring those two things together plus what you like, I guess that there's room for everybody to Mm -hmm. come and teach us something. Absolutely. Otherwise we wouldn't have a podcast. Well, that's true too. (laughs) We had all the answers. Well, this is why I'm looking forward to today's guest. We've got Nick Brax joining us and he's the author of a new book called Move Your Mind. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because to, I'm going to be really transparent. I got your book and I was like, oh, okay, great, another of the mindfulnessy kind of. Here we go again. Um, and I don't say that. I think a lot of people would think that. That's why I'm saying it because, and that's what I mean when I say, you know, we we need to hear things in various ways and people's versions and people's stories. I think to actually be able to go, actually, that resonates with me. And I find it interesting too because I have heard things over and over and over again, but it wasn't until the right person at the right time came along and said it that Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that makes sense now, which I feel is like once I read through and looked at a bit of your story and even though I kind of knew it, I I forgot about it. And so I'd love for you to start to kind of, you know, with that in mind, I want to hear a little, I want our listeners to hear your, your own personal story because I think it's particularly important, but it's also it's a little bit into perspective. Yeah, it does. It gives some pers- perspective. Yeah, definitely, and and appreciate that. And I completely agree with uh, what you're saying there. I mean, there's so much um, noise everywhere, and everyone's now a mindfulness. <laughs> what I mean, what is? What, I don't even know what the word mindfulness means anymore. Everyone wants to be a mindfulness teacher. It's like the trendy thing to do. But I mean, the thing that I really, from you know, 13 years of doing this now, it's just really not that complicated. It was going on stage and just 
talking honestly and openly and being vulnerable and in one way or another I've kept doing the the same thing over the years and um, that's what the book's about so it's not I'm not doing anything unique I'm just trying to be a voice of you know telling other people to share stories really and I think if we can all be honest like there's no um, one-stop answer to anything there's no solution to this stuff anyone that says that they have you know a formula or I've got this 12-step program or I've got this that's you know that's ridiculous it's like there's heaps of good knowledge out there and heaps of you know it's a complicated area so it's just about you know sharing that it's okay to not know the answers and I guess I like you know for my story I fell into this area because I suffered a lot growing up and really dates back to when I was a little kid I remember having um, compulsive thinking and not understanding why I thought differently uh, not knowing how to manage that, feeling like I didn't fit in, not thinking in um, the same way as other people and not feeling like I fitted in at school. And, uh, and you know, I didn't have the self-awareness to know how to manage that and it ended up coming out in compulsive behaviour. And, um, I mean, I won't give you the full story because it'll take a while, but, you know, it manifested in um, com- I wanted to be a professional athlete and play AFL. That was my dream as a kid and started training as a very young kid at a crazy level and, got fit, started winning all the middle distance running uh, races, decided I wanted to do that because I could, you know, control that myself. And I, as an 11, 12-year-old, I'd be getting up at 2, 3 in the morning and hiding bricks under my bed because my my mum and my parents knew how big of a problem it was. So I was hiding it and, you know, and there's like an, it was an addiction by that point and training for three hours and going for a run for an hour and a half before school, uh, going to training that night, tripling what my coach gave me, being so exhausted that I, you know, couldn't, um, walk upstairs to get to bed at the end of the night and it you know had all these implications on my development as a person I uh, didn't develop socially I it stunted my growth I didn't actually grow or hit puberty till I was like 16 almost 17 uh, and there was a whole lot of you know things that came out of that uh, and you know this was all all the while when my, my dad was a Premier Victoria and I was sort of known as the son of this person and, you know, trying to prove that I was my own person and so a whole lot of things you know and and again I always say this isn't a sob story my story is not unique it's a lot of people have been through far worse things it's just one example you know of what what people go through and just talking about it and it's sort of that that led to uh, finishing at school and my body broke down I couldn't compete anymore hadn't developed socially couldn't you know hold a conversation had no confidence had no self-esteem and um, really struggled, dropped out of university and started abusing alcohol and went it was, went on for a number of years where uh, looking back, you know, I was really lucky to, to get through that whole um, period and uh, fortunate that I've got good parents and friends and people that uh, helped me through and it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I saw a psychologist and found out what I was, was going on in my life and uh, that was when I went and um, I realised I was depressed and had to, you know, take steps to get through it and uh, it was a long process from there. I, I, I went into a course at university. Uh, we had to, in this course, do public speaking, and I would um, be terrified talking in front of you know five people, vomiting before I'd do it, and trembling, and um, had to keep doing it. And you know, it sort of uh, led to opened up a lot of doors and taught me that you know you don't have to listen to what your mind tells you, and sort of led to a career in public speaking after that, and a whole lot of other avenues. So anyway, so I'm trying not to ramble and. Um, talk too much because <laughs> no, I don't know how to tell this story so, quick quickly. Um, it's all but, you good. know, that's Keep a going. very 
That's yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm rambling too much, but um, sort of that led to you know going down this path and then um, you know being on uh, the the sort of thing that gave me a platform to do it. I was on Dancing with the Stars and um, terrified to do that, and you know almost didn't do it. But I thought I can you know use this as an opportunity to really just absolutely smash down all of these fears and insecurities and whatever I had and probably the worst answer in the history of that show but um, <laughs> I, it, it, it broke a lot of that fear and you know became a thing in my head where I thought well if I can get through this I can do anything that throw you know anything that's embarrassing or whatever's thrown at me and um, it gave me a, a platform to share my story and I got asked by schools to talk about it and I just kept doing these free talks and I saw how much it was helping people just by me standing there and talking honestly and over the last yeah 12 13 years I've just kept doing them amongst other things and um built a career out of it I guess without meaning to um and yeah that's sort of the one of the main things I do now mm. there is so much going on there but I love it I think one of the main things I'd like to say is you as a young man standing up and going these are the things I did this is what was going on in my head this is me reflecting on being a teenager there's so much that people can learn from that because even for parents or, you know, teenagers themselves, teenagehood is a really tricky time. And it's, you know, now there's so many labels and stuff. So it's it's quite hard to navigate. So you want to help, you want to support all the parts of the people um, and even people in their 20s. And th- as we go through, we're, we're complex beings. It's not just one thing, is it? And um, I love that, you know, as an 11 or 12-year-old, you were obsessed with this... Um, <laughs> being an athlete and getting up at three o'clock in the morning like you know there's alarm bells when you look back on that you Mm. go well that's not how 11 year olds necessarily look at the world but amazing that that kind of has led you to a place where you can share that with other people that they can go oh okay well maybe that's something I can address absolutely but also then you know obviously there was a part of your life that was public and people, mm-hmm. oh, the lights just went out. There was a part of your life that was public. Yeah. People would have made judgment and assumptions mm-hmm. as they do with everybody. And all of us are being constantly, we're judging everyone all the time um, as human nature. But I think being able to say what was actually going on sheds a different light on this whole, you know, conversation. Obviously, there was a turning point for you and that was fairly severe. It was a fairly severe incident by way of a car accident. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like, I don't know, I'm assuming that created a pivotal point for you to be able to go, hang on. Um, that mm. was a real wake up, I imagine. It was, yeah. I mean, it was pivotal. It was part of part of that process. Yeah, I'd been off the rails for years and abusing alcohol and sort of felt helpless and, you know, I was in a, the worst place I've, I've ever been in and, you know, never been at a point where I thought I'd actually harm myself. But uh, it gave me, you know, go, I'm, I'm grateful I actually went through all of that because it gave me um, so much empathy to feel what I felt then, uh, you know, to understand what other people must be feeling when they're when they're struggling. And it, it manifested in this car crash where I'd been out, um, came home, had my best friend. He was like lying across the backseat of the car uh, we're going probably 80 kilometers an hour on a main road and went to turn around as I was going, you know, not thinking clearly because I was so drunk and uh, hit a traffic island and it wrapped around, um, it went, span out of control and wrapped around a tree. And yeah, luckily none of us were, you know, severely injured. He was still, you know, had a gash in his arm and had to get surgery, but there was no sort of long-term um, injuries from it. But it was, yeah, at the time a wake-up call, but the crazy thing was, you know, this became this, you know, Australia-wide story. My dad had to 
Um, I remember actually being in the police station having to call my dad at um, 7.30 in the morning being told, okay, this is going to be on every news station at 8 a.m. And he was at the holiday house. And um, it was a wake-up call in that sense of thinking, okay, this is crazy. I've almost killed my best friend. I've brought my family into this. I'm, you know, This is like affecting a lot of people and I've got to get my act together. And I sort of for a few weeks stopped you know, with the drinking and that behavior, but still wasn't ready to properly confront it or talk about it and fell back into, you know, some of that behavior. And it wasn't until I had literally just got to a point where I was almost catatonic and my mum had to drag me to see a psychologist that I uh, started confronting some of these things and taking some steps. So it's just crazy how, um, you know, how much it took for me to finally go down that path and start to, you know, work through some of these things. Mm, It's funny how we can get into such a, I don't know, a, a, a rut that sometimes we need something major to shake us oh, out yeah. of it. Mm. I think, I mean, yeah. most people that share a similar, like, you know, go down these paths, have this realisation at some point and then have a story to tell and we connect with people's stories and it gives us, mm. you know, something to to be able to be a bit me too about and um, I, I just love that you've told the story and been vulnerable because there's a massive element of vulnerability in that to help other people. You talked a lot, you know, about um, obsessive behaviours before and, you know, anxiety and depression, it looks different for everybody, um, whether it's, you know, obsessive behaviour or whether it's controlling certain things or there was a lot of those boxes you've ticked there with that. Was there more to that? You obviously, at the time, did you recognise that? And also my question is, once you do recognise that, do you still slip into old habits? You know, you have these tendencies. How do you go about living knowing that, I don't know, I could slip back into this at any moment? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, at the time it was, you know, no self-awareness or knowledge about mm-hmm. it and, um, you know, knowing that it wasn't right but it, it's literally addiction where it's like, okay, you can't you can't explain it. It's sort of compulsion. Um and yeah, as you sort of work through it, and yeah, I think, and I think it's a good point for whatever any you know anyone, whoever you are. Like, there's no um, you know silver bullet, or it's not like you do the work and um, things are magically better. It's like saying, hey, I've never exercised before. I want to go and lose ten kilograms. I'm gonna you know hire a personal trainer and go on a diet, and in three months' time, I've got to the level I wanted to get to. So I'm gonna stop all of it forever, and I'll just keep you know keep at the same level. It's like <laughs> there's it's not about and and I think we're taught that line of thinking just in everything in life it's this you know capitalistic sort of thing about I need to acquire I, I'll I'll be happy when I have blah 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 and looking at things conditionally which is not how things work like you there's no end goal and we keep learning and we keep working on mm-hmm. things daily until the day we die and that's just you know what I learned through that process was uh, I'm always going to be learning more about how to understand myself myself i'm going to have slip ups i'm going to you know you have that um you might slip back into that sort of obsessive thinking and be aware of it and remind yourself and then be accountable and have people around you so it's just being aware of all of those things and yeah being having having tools to you know to deal with it uh, i think mm. is so important did you have obsessive behaviors as a kid do you ever i remember things like having to do something, otherwise something would happen to somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Livy was my daughter's 13. She was saying the other day, Mum, why is it that sometimes I'll lie in bed and if I don't get up and turn the light switch on and off again, then I think something bad's going to happen. And I was like, oh, gosh, Mm. I remember that as a child. Don't all children go through that? I guess so. That's what I'm asking. I don't know. Do all children? I think they do. I guess they do. Yeah, I think it's part of making sense of the world. Yeah, I guess. Maybe you realise that stuff doesn't matter. 
but you got to give it a go. But I had some out. really stupid things like having to have oh, I think the, they're all pretty stupid. Don't pretty worry. It's funny now in hindsight, like having to have the, the blind tucked in a certain way, otherwise there was someone that would definitely oh. be looking in the window. I still do in that. The backyard in the backyard, little I hate going yeah. to bed with the window open, like the, the curtain open just to crack because no one's coming, but, you know, that that is your weakness. I, I think it's important yeah. though, to have these conversations because I think as parents, we would never have probably discussed that before, but now having the, this conversation and being able to think, I mean, my parents would have never even mm. asked the question or noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can yeah. I ask you, though, I think it's really interesting that added element that your dad was Premier of Victoria at the time. Oh, yeah, he still was, wasn't he? So that Yeah, added, for a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, so that added layer of, um, you know, not wanting to let him down because of the public aspect of it. I mean, everybody's got that with their parents anyway, but can you look back on that now and see how that informed you or like can you, I, I don't know, is that still a thing in your family? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I can look how it informed me and I think the behaviour I had was probably there regardless, but that added, you know, a huge amount of fuel to it and um, it, I guess me being, you know, a competitive proud sort of person being known as the son of this person it made me look at extreme things to try and do and be like how the hell do I become known as you know Nick not the son of this person and all these sorts of things and I look back now and some of my thinking and yeah behavior was kind of crazy and yeah it was difficult for the family and for me and everyone Um, but I think that's pretty normal for families to have issues as well obviously this is on you know a more uh, extreme level, uh, but I'm pretty lucky that I've got amazing parents, and I think they've raised all you know myself and my brother and sister all with really good values, and uh, that's what they've always said to us. They know that we're all good people, and I know my parents are really good people, and people make mistakes, and you know that's mm. that's part of life, and uh, but you, you can't avoid it. But you know, as long as you're trying to do to do the right thing or trying to improve, I think is. The thing that I've been taught and really stuck by. So, um, and the other thing I think about a lot and is like I have zero regrets in life and, you know, things that I obviously wouldn't do again, like the car crash or drink driving, but I don't regret or look back and, you know, think about things with regret because everything informs the person you become. And I think as long as you're learning from things, um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am or probably doing what I'm doing now if I didn't have some of these experiences. And I think it's really you know, again, you shouldn't search for hardship or search for pain or search for, you know, negative things. But I think it's great to fail at things and go through, you know, difficult things Mm. because that makes you grow and makes you really learn who you are and gives you, you know, as I was talking about before, gives you empathy for other people, which I think we need in this day and age, we need that more more than ever, you know. Everyone goes through something um, and we should have empathy for that. saw something that was, you know, with all of this, that there was significantly missing from your day-to-day life. And I feel like a lot of people could relate to that. Can you pinpoint what was missing? Like, what was it? Was it the awareness? Was it being kind to yourself? Was it, I don't know, I just want people to be able to listen to this and go, actually, this is me and yay, I I feel you and I feel um, that there's some wisdom in what you've got to say. Yeah, definitely. The thing that was missing was... I, you know, wasn't taught how to communicate about this stuff. And this is no one's fault. You know, my my parents were raised, you know, 
that like most parents where they weren't taught, you know, we're not taught about communication and how to be emotionally open. We're not taught it in school. Uh, it's why I do the work I do now. I'm not trying to, you know, it's not magic formulas or crazy stuff I'm saying in these messages or the book. I, I always say it's common sense stuff, but we mm. don't get taught it. And I think what needs to happen and what would prevent this, I think the only way to prevent it or fix, you know, or not, sorry, not fix, but make a big change long-term is the school system needs to be overhauled and uh, there should be, uh, you know, emotional um, learning should be one of the core things that's taught in school. It should not just be, you know, like a subject, it should be one of the most important subjects. And it because I think it's the most important thing we can learn and we don't get taught, we learn from trial and error. So I think if we're taught that stuff and, you know, things I'm talking about are just about simple things about how can we have routines, exercise daily, meditate, have people around us, you know, have people that we can actually know and have an unconditional relationship with and things like that, uh, that we don't often have. So if I had that education, it probably would have helped uh, Mm. to prevent some of those things from happening. I think we have come a long way though, even in the last 10, 15 years when it comes to men and Mm. feelings and being able to talk about how they're feeling and, and, you know, the work you're doing and Brett Hill and... Wayne. I noticed oh, that Wayne, Wayne Schwartz. is... Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've yeah, had... He's, he's a friend of ours on the old some Wellness quotes Collective. from Wayne in Nick's book as well. Mm. I noticed that. Got Wayne yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's a legend. Advocate. Love him. Yeah. But it's true because, I mean, I think back to my early 20s and, and the boys that I was friends with and, they, you know, if any of them had have tried to open up about how they truly felt about something, they would have been laughed at, howled down, you know, there wasn't that support between them because it didn't, like you say, they weren't taught how to do that. And for the girls to step in to kind of fill that role wasn't really acceptable either. Mm. So, you know, we have come a long way, I think. And um, it's still ingrained in us, though. I think I was saying in an episode last week or the week before, I caught my husband saying to my son, Oh, yeah, don't cry. Don't cry. Men don't cry. I was like, don't you ever say that again? And he sort of stopped and was like, oh, it was just a... He'd never had to have that conversation with Geordie before mm, either. Mm. But even him going, oh, gosh, yeah, you're right. But it was just what he would have been told. Mm. We've got yeah. to break it down by being aware, I guess, in the first place. But it, we, I think the difference now is we're talking about this now, which yeah. is the, the starting point. Then, yeah. like you said, oh. Nick, how do we get into the education system, a structure around teaching kids how to feel and be and exist and well I think one of, of the good things that's come out of pandemic life is the fact that mental health mm. and anxiety have come to the forefront in terms of you know children's well-being you know many many schools are incorporating the wellness of their children into everything they're doing now because it's such a huge part of their lives mm. that's come to the forefront and it's probably brought forward a lot of things that they hadn't dealt with previously. Although, interestingly, I was talking to my son's teacher about, I don't know, one of the lockdowns, and when, <laughs> when we came back to school, when they came back to school, she said the kids aren't interested in checking in and doing all the well-being stuff. They just want to get back into the really? routine. Interesting. They want to mm. get back yeah. into learning. They want the normality of mm. school. They don't need to sit down and talk about their they feelings. Want, they don't they, want to debrief. They, they don't want to debrief. Learn. No, what? they just want to well, learn. It's interesting. Mm. But maybe that's because yeah. it's incorporated, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the other thing that you talk about in the book is suicide, which I think that's definitely a topic we tiptoe around, you know? It's a it's a huge... I think it's because it's so huge and it's very... Um, how do you support somebody that might be having suicidal thoughts? It's very fine line. It's really... Mm. It really is a fine line. Um, 
But you share in the book something interesting about survivors who had jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and all of them said that at the moment of jumping, they instantly regretted that. And I just, oh, gosh, if we could bottle up that Mm. feeling Mm. and give that out to people who were having suicidal thoughts, I just, you know, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but... In creating, obviously you talked about that and you created a TEDx talk around that. Was there other things that stood out when you were preparing for that that may help people that are feeling at least vulnerable or suicidal? Yeah, it's a really, and it, yeah, it's a scary thing to talk about and, and it is, it's a sensitive thing and um, a lot of the research shows that uh, having awareness and communicating it does help. Uh, so it's something that we need to, like all areas, be talking about. But yeah, I found it really alarming when I did that TED talk and was researching all of these areas. Uh, like what you were saying, um, out of all of the people that have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, there's been around 35 or 40, I can't remember, it's in my book, I can't remember the exact figure of what it was, um, that have survived it. And all of them said that same thing, that the moment they had pushed themselves off, they, they instantly regretted it. And I think that's the thought process that happens a lot of the time. And when you are that overwhelmed and it is that hindsight thing so it's sort of again education and um hopefully it can you know help some people at least if they know that um if you can learn that okay when i'm feeling that extreme emotion in that moment it does feel like it will last forever and there's not really much reasoning with yourself but when you've had enough experience or knowledge about it you can uh in those moments uh remind yourself that um you know, it will pass because everything does. And all you have to do is think, well, has there been any incident in my entire life where I felt bad and it lasted and it never went away and it always does. So it's sort of reminding yourself that, but, you know, it was pretty, yeah, it was alarming um, researching for that. And one of the other figures that, you know, I, I that stuck in my head was that, you know, roughly one person um, around the world every 40 seconds um, commits suicide, which is pretty, pretty terrifying to to think about how, how frequently it happens. Hey, um, I'm reading this book at the moment. It's called Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig. And it's a really beautiful account of a man who had a depressive episode in his 20s and reflecting on that and, like, it was debilitating. Had to move home with his parents, with his girlfriend, and, um, like, it took him months to recover from it. But it's, it's really beautifully written. And um, one of the things he says is one of the things he says in it is that he has he writes a conversation between himself then and himself now mm. and he says to himself then you will be all right you know you can get through this and you will get through this and he's his himself then says but how how can i get through this how can you even exist this person in the future that's a version of me so this idea that like you say that it will pass whatever it is you know, if you think of a future, it's a really interesting thing to bear in mind. I mean, I know it's not that simple, but just seeing mm. him reflect upon it, having gone through the darkest of days and come out the other side, thinking that there wasn't a chance that he would, it's amazing because, mm. you know, that that's a possibility for everyone. Mm. That's, yeah, totally. Absolutely, never... yeah. I know that we are running out of time, but I do want to just touch on the fact that we're obviously during the pandemic, we're seeing anxiety and depression cases rising at recording, le- like, alarming levels. Um, do, you is there- think that's, do you think that's also because a lot of people have never experienced it before? You know, a lot of people who have experienced it before are like, oh, yeah, I got this. 
But it's it's maybe I think it's but I think the statistics the I've been looking at are Victorian. Mm. Um and we've done it before. So No, I mean in life in general. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. I think I think one of the biggest reasons is that we are social beings and we're not getting that connection. We're not getting that opportunity to download. Even mm. if we are, it's on the phone. It's not necessarily face-to-face, like, you know. But I just want to know if there's anything in your experience for that person listening that might be practical for them to be able to do in any moment. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a difficult thing, like you're I saying. Know. It's not natural to to be. Yeah, it's not natural, is it, to be um, locked up for that long? But I think it's yeah, reminding yourself, like looking. I think it's again like using um, logic for it and just trying to think. Okay, um, can I can I change this scenario that I'm in today? And uh, unless you're you know the prime minister or you know whatever, you you probably can't change it. So it's like okay, these are rightly or wrongly or whether I like it, this is what I have to deal with right now. So uh, what are the things I can focus on? Because if I think about all the things that I don't like about it, that's just going to make me feel worse. What can I do? Uh, and it might not be ideal, but, you know, how can I look after myself? How can I try and, you know, create a routine? Maybe I can use, look at it as, look at adversity as an opportunity to grow, you know, because we do grow through that. And if I can create coping mechanisms and get through this, then I can bring that into, you know, my life in the future when things are better and it's going to help me be in a better position. So I think, you know, it's like a lot of the things that most people would say, but I think really, you know, thinking about it in that way and always reminding yourself that, that um, you know, just switching that thinking and, and you know, doing doing these simple things that daily, whether it's, yeah, exercising, meditating, um, talking to a friend, just going outside for the time you're allowed to go outside. Even um, just thinking, just- like you say, like the way you think. Is so well, powerful. Also, yes, you know? I think in your book you also mention um, yeah. yeah, thinking about the last time you felt like this and remembering that you were okay, which is along the lines of what yeah. we just spoke about before. But I really do think that there we keep doing, 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 doing the same thing, feeling, feeling, feeling the same way, um, but having that perspective of going, when was the last time I felt like this? And it did get better. And reminding ourselves that as well, I really liked that. Exactly. Well, I mean, and that, and we all, you know, fall in those traps, and I still fall in that trap. But you know, that's what they say: the definition of insanity is doing the same thing <laughs> over and over again and <laughs> expecting a different result. It's, yep. You're going to get a bad result whether you like it or not. And it's like a drug. It, like you, you get addicted to venting and complaining, and it feels great for a few seconds, and then you feel worse. So it's like mm. taking drugs all the time. It's gonna block things or drinking, you know, like what I said in my story, it'll block it for a bit, but it's going to make it way worse um, ongoing. So just reminding yourself that this is not, I'm, I'm the person I'm affecting most by being negative and complaining and worrying about this is myself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yep. how can I, how can I reframe bones. that? Mm. Yeah. I'm reading a book at the moment, like a, I'm narrating a book. For Are you kids. reading actually? I'm actually. You're actually verbally talking yeah, it. Yeah, I'm talking yes, the book. You're recording it. About <laughs> this, about feelings and moods for kids. And the author, Helen, talks about super thinking and stinking thinking. Oh, cute. And working out whether what you're thinking is super thinking or stinking thinking. And it's, you know, it's, it's for kids, but That's it's cute. actually, you know, when you boil it down, it's exactly it. what mm. you're saying. Mm. Like, is yeah. this a stinking thinking? Is it helping me? No. And as soon as you turn that thinking around and you're aware of it, it your whole mood changes. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. Where can people get your book? Is it available in stores? 
So yeah, the book's available in stores. In the stores Australia we can't wide. go to. <laughs> online. I was going to say That's it's why in, online works. <laughs> it's in a bunch of stores, but yeah, most states probably can't get to them. But when you can, you know, it'd be great if people can go in there. But yeah, you can get it online on Booktopia or Amazon. And if you go to my website, nickbracks.com, uh, the links will pop up and you can, you know, find whatever whatever site you want to try and purchase it on. We are very big advocates for ringing your local bookshop as well. Oh, yeah. Ringing them and seeing what they've got in stock because I told you, mine you know delivers. keep it local. Mine I know, but you you live near a really good one, so you're lucky. <laughs> but it literally comes to the door. It's like, oh, there you go, there you go. This is excellent, brilliant. There yeah. you go, nice and easy. <laughs> and of course, I'd just like to add if any if today's episode has brought up feelings for you that you'd like to discuss with someone, you can call Lifeline on one three one double one four. Brilliant. Nick, thank you so much again for um, taking the time to chat with us. This has been excellent. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Indeed. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it as well. Appreciate it. <laughs> See, uh, there's some merit to it. I wasn't trying to be rude. I'm like, we can hear things a thousand times over. It's when it's the right place, right time, right person, right way that it's said that it just resonates. So mm-hmm. I really um, think that it's, it's good timing also. I think also too it's interesting to hear from somebody who lived a life where there's you know that public element and the pressure of that and mm. you know like there's it's, a lot of vulnerability in his story too there is but there's a people make a lot of assumptions mm. about people mm. in that kind of so world and it's not necessarily but it's correct. like anybody I remember having this conversation with my mother and she said oh I just can't stand whoever it was I can't remember but it was mm. some profile mm. public figure and I said but do you actually know them? And mm. she's like, yeah, no, that's a fair point. Don't really know them. Just don't like what I see. And like, how do you not even know that what you've seen has been curated by media or whoever and to portray something and then you've made a judgment based on that and then... Yeah, but we all make judgments. Correct. That's what I said before. We make judgments all the time. But mm. perhaps it doesn't make us feel good actually when we exist in that. So just no, take a step back, but, you know, be you kind. Know, yeah. You never know what someone's going through, do you? That's that's the mm. truth. Mm-hmm. No, yep. And then, you know, if you're really not digging what they're doing, just step away. Well, that's it. You don't have to be for everybody. That's fine. So fine. So fine. Hey, we do love uh, it when you take the time to review the podcast. So we would um, absolutely love for you to review this one today or any of the others or just in general. I'd just like to shout out to my cousin Monique because I I hit her up the other day. She sent me a message saying Uh. she was enjoying listening to one. I said, well, have you put a little review in there? Right. She's like, oh, okay, I will. Yes. <laughs> Looking forward just to waiting it. for that one. No pressure when you hear this. <laughs> hey, we should just start calling people out. Yeah. Like, hey, Jennifer. Yeah. Yes, that's you, Jennifer, no that pressure. we're talking to, but leave a, <laughs> leave a review. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Didn't we do that once and it backfired? We're talking to the wrong person or something. Anyway, doesn't matter. Mm. All right. Well, mm. remember, Toodles. talk to your peeps, reach out. Yeah. If you need and help. And I end reference that book. Matt Haig. Mm. It's really good. Really That's easy good. to read too. Love that. Might have to try and get him. I think Love he's that. in the UK. Right. All right. Enough ramblings from us. Until <laughs> next time, we hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. Listener.